Hello and a very warm welcome to this latest edition of Edie's Susty Talks, our digital audio interviews designed to help us all stay a little bit more connected to the growing world of sustainable business that we launched at the very beginning of 2020 and which we are continuing now into 2023. I'm delighted to have on the call for this edition Rob West, Managing Partner at Clearbell Capital LLP, um, a real estate and private equity fund management and advisory business um, advising on real estate projects across the UK, here to help us dig in to the sustainable buildings movement here in the UK. Rob, thank you so much for your time. How are you doing? Uh, I'm good, thanks, Sarah, and thank you for having me on the on the show. No, thank you for coming on. It's great to make contact because I don't think that me or the rest of the team have spoken to Clearbell before. So if I'm not aware of them, I'm sure we might have some listeners that aren't aware either. So it'd be great to have a little introduction to the business, which I understand you're also co-founder of. Uh, that's right. Um, and, and I'm sure you're in pretty good company not knowing who Clearbell is. We're not a, a big player, but we are um, a UK only focused private equity fund management business. Uh, we've been going for 15 years now. Um, we launched just coming out of the global financial crisis, our first fund, um, and we've now closed our fourth fund within our private equity series. So that is uh, the model there is very much a sort of the buy it, fix it, sell it model. So we, we look for properties with flaws or thoughts that we can put right, um, fix and then sell hopefully at a profit for our investors. Um, and our investor base within the fund series uh, is predominantly global pension funds. So we have representation from Finland, from, from the US, from South America, from South Australia and from South Africa. Uh, and we also have two large family offices from France who invested with us in our last two funds, uh, plus a big UK pension fund. So that, that's the sort of the core of our um, fund series. We also then run a couple of separate accounts, one on behalf of uh, LaSalle Investment Management uh, and their clients who are predominantly UK local authority pension funds. And that's a tax exempt vehicle. And we also run um, on an outsourced basis um, the endowment portfolio for the UK's wealthiest school, effectively. Um, and we like to point out that they were quite happy managing it in-house for 500 years. And it, and it took a good manager to persuade them to outsource it. And that's what we like to think we are. Got it. And Rob, normally when I'm on these calls, I'm on with, for example, the sustainability manager or the energy manager or the, the head of um, ESG. So what does your role entail and how does that overlap um, with the company's work on things like energy efficiency and, and green buildings? So um, my role and we have about 25 people in total here. We have business owned by four partners. We all have equal share in the business. Um, and my role up until six months ago within the business was predominantly on origination. So finding new opportunities for us to invest in um, and also looking to build new business ideas uh, and, and new revenue streams potentially for the business. So in terms of the origination um, side of my role, it is to find buildings and assets or portfolios of assets that uh, that we can put right. And a lot of that work today is in terms of how we can improve the energy efficiency of the buildings and buy buildings that aren't institutionally acceptable and make them institutionally acceptable um, and make them appeal to the widest possible tenant base by ensuring that they are um, as energy efficient as possible. 
Um, and then within that is also my responsibility to ensure that the asset management, so the delivery of that business plan that we put in place at acquisition um, is fulfilled. So I work closely with our asset management team and it's really our asset managers who are the key drivers of our sustainability business plans. And in fact, so, so within that, I have for some time now been the chair of our ESG committee, um, working closely with two professionals who spend roughly 50% of their time each in terms of delivering our sustainability objectives. Um, and then at the beginning of the year, I became managing partner for the firm. So then I have a, a broader brief over, over everything else we do as well. That makes sense. And happy to have some time with you to dig more into that energy efficiency and retrofit piece that you mentioned. And we, we often get great news about shiny new green buildings. Um, we're told that there's more capital seeking to be invested in these sustainable projects than there are places to invest it. So I wanted to get your view on whether this is actually the case with the UK's real estate at the moment and what that demand is like for retrofitted buildings. Um, well, it, yes, it's, it's clearly the case um, that investors are increasingly focused on buying buildings that meet the, the, the right sort of energy efficiency targets. Um, and if, if you have a survey of 100 investors, 80 of them will say we only buy now, we only look at investing into buildings that are EPC B or A, um, ideally A, and meet also the, the, the BRIAM targets, which are a slightly broader uh, environmental benchmark. Um, what, what, and there aren't enough to go around. So what we're seeing, and we can expand on this in due course, but is, is premium pricing paid for energy efficient buildings. Um, where we come in in the sort of, as I mentioned, the buy it, fix it, sell it model is to actually actively target buildings that, that don't meet the energy performance objectives today, but can be made to do so by a suitable amount of capital investment. Um, uh, so we won't buy anything that we can't model getting to an EPC B or better. Um, uh, and we, we have to assess at the outset how much capital it's going to cost us to do that uh, and ensure that we can still make a profit at the end of it. But we think in, in many cases we can. Uh, and so that's a key focus for our business. Um, and it, it, it is, I guess, just a sort of stepping back a bit, having gone into a bit of detail, that there is a, a, an increasing awareness. I think real estate, which, which is, has a reputation of being quite a conservative with a small C business, there is an increasing awareness of our responsibility in terms of sustainability. Um, and the built environment is roughly responsible for about 39% of global emissions. Um, and about 28% of that is from real estate in operation, with another 11% coming from construction and transportation. So, so we are a major offender, um, and therefore everyone is very focused on trying to reduce um, the impact uh, as much as possible. Of course, and I wanted to ask about retrofitting um, specifically in that we're seeing a lot of talk about retrofitting in the energy price crisis, but equally we know that a lot of people are just going for demolition and rebuild over retrofit. I remember reading an analysis on The Guardian recently saying that something like 50,000 buildings are demolished in the UK every year. So I wanted to get your feel on investment in retrofitting at this point in time. Is it going up because of the price crisis? Is there a growing awareness of the need to to go for a fix it rather than demolish it approach, do you think? Um, I guess there are two parts to that. One is just to, to confirm what you're what you're seeing. Is it that the property industry is good at finding the easiest way of doing things um, and knocking something down and rebuilding something new in its place is easier 
in the sense that it's much more predictable. Um, uh, so you can price it more, more effectively. There's less risk effectively in new build versus retrofitting. Um, and we've just retrofitted uh, a building uh, on Kingsway that goes through to Keeley Street in Covent Garden. Um, and the building was built in 1920. So it's a, it's 100 years old. It was built for Kodak. It was their London HQ, original HQ. And it is sort of part warehouse, part office building. So it actually um, makes a great sort of basis for, for retrofitting because it's nice warehouse space that we can open up. But the work we've done has involved moving the core from one side of the building to the other. So that's all the lifts, the WCs, the entrance. Uh, and when you cut into a 100-year-old slab and move things around, you uncover all sorts of things you didn't expect to uncover. Uh, and that puts the cost and the risk up significantly. Um, so there's always been a preference to, to, to build new rather than retrofit. Um, but quite rightly, a lot of local authorities, and, and I think probably government, government, central government pressure as well, uh, is encouraging people to retrofit much more uh, because of the embodied carbon um, benefits of, of doing so. So um, it is becoming an increasing uh, pattern. Um, there's also the other point that in somewhere like London uh, and a lot of regional cities, a lot of buildings are listed. So you just physically can't knock them down and, and rebuild them. Um, and listed buildings come with their own challenges because often you can't replace the glazing in the way you'd want to to make it more um, efficient. Um, and there are other things that, 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 are, that are challenging. So, in fact, with our Kingsway building, even though we've been able to get it to a BRIAM excellent, we're only at an EPCB because it just isn't possible um, and cost effective to get it to an EPCA. Um, but we think that uh, the benefit of the embodied carbon means that we will get credit from uh, environmentally conscious tenants and investors uh, when we come to sell who, who will appreciate what we've done there. And uh, just to give another example, we own a building in Glasgow, which we bought um, 18 months or so ago. Uh, it's 75,000 square foot today. So it's a pretty sizable building, um, but it's on quite a big plot. So there's definitely scope to, to expand it. But the city of uh, Glasgow planners wouldn't let us knock it down. In fact, we knew that before we bought it. So we always bought it with the objective that there was an opportunity here to extend the current building outwards and upwards and really double the size. So we've now got planning consent to go to 150,000 square foot from 75,000 square foot. But importantly, by reusing the existing frame, we're, we're just under 50% carbon saving in construction on that site. So it really makes a significant difference. And the building that we'll create will be more interesting architecturally from using the original structure as well as being totally efficient. It will look to all intents and purposes like a new building, but we're very careful to say it's a retrofit because we want to advertise the carbon saving in that construction. Well, I haven't been to Glasgow since COP26, but when that's finished, clearly I'll have to come back up and have a look. <laughs> right. Well, you, you will do because it will be that our objective is to be the greenest building in the city. Well, there um, you have it. I'll definitely and actually, it's, it's important. Sorry. It's important <laughs> in Glasgow because a lot of um, the, the tenants are linked to the Scottish government. And when you've got the Scottish government, uh, the SNP are very focused on green credentials. They're also in coalition with the Green Party. So to be very energy efficient, we think is good business as well as doing the right thing. And, and that I think is an overarching theme across all our sustainability. We, we won't do it if we don't think we're doing it. Um, it's going to be profitable as well as, uh, as, as well as the right thing.
Yes, and you've you've mentioned a few things there that I wanted to come back to. So you've mentioned government and government targets, and you've mentioned EPC, um, because at the moment there's you've mentioned that your company requires all new construction and major refurbishment projects to meet that minimum EPC of B. Um, there's been a lot of debate lately about what the appropriate target should be from government. So what grade, by what timeline, for what kind of property. Um, and then also about whether EPC in general is fit for purpose or should just be thrown out. So it'd be great to get your thoughts on how to measure energy efficiency and target rapid improvement of that across the UK's estate. Um, I think it's a very fair question. I, th I think EPCs are, are, are fraud and I'll come on to the, 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 some of the detail around that. But I think I think where where it is a positive is that it's a target. It's a it's a clear target that, that everyone gets. It's pretty simple. They can understand every building now has a certificate um, and the government proposals that uh, buildings that are worse than an EPC C can't be let from 27 and B or A from 2030 is a, is a very clear objective that everyone in the real estate industry is aware of and everyone is working towards. So I, I think that is, that is a good thing. That is a positive that's come out of it. And I think it is a, um, a, a way that we are seeing the right direction of travel. Uh, and if you combine that with things like science-based targets, to, to, to target net zero, then I think it is a, is a useful strategy. But but I, I do agree that EPCs in isolation are, are not a good measure. Um, and, and we see it ourselves. We buy a, a building um, and the EPC, it has an EPC C, say. We get another assessor around, they'll give it an EPC B. And, and that can't be right that it is so um, subjective when it comes to um, the level of assessment. So I think there is a flaw in the, in the, in the way that that they're assessed, that, that you get this variation in assessments. Um, another big flaw is that it's theoretical. Um, it doesn't, it's a sort of day one, what the building should do, it's not what the building does do, where, the way it is used by the occupiers. So, so that is uh, a problem. Uh, and um, there's also, it's very limited. It just measures en energy performance. It doesn't measure other factors like uh, air quality, uh, environmental impact of construction uh, or refurbishment materials or water usage um, or, or other factors like that. And, and there is a, a lack of, of checking and enforcement as it goes back to the original point, I think, about the fact that there is this variance. So, so it's, it's far from perfect, but as I said, I think it has been uh, a, a useful measure and this signposting from the government, um, which, which isn't 100% set in stone, but I think everyone assumes will be the case, um, is, is good to ensure that we're moving in the right direction. Very clearly, I could have dedicated this whole call just to sustainability standards like EPC and BRIAM, um, Rob, but I know that we haven't got a huge amount of time left on our call. Um, so it's been great to hear about the work that Clearbell is pioneering. But as you say, the risk profile is still higher for retrofit. People are still trying to get their heads around measuring and enforcing and profiles for sustainable buildings. So I wanted to get your view on how fund managers and financial advisors in real estate could collaborate to improve um, environmental sustainabilities to, for example, help scale up retrofit and that broader focus beyond just the EPC tick in the box. Well, I think one way, a very direct way we're seeing is that uh, clearly investors pay more money for buildings that they perceive as having strong sustainability credentials. 
Um, and there's been quite a lot of research. This is it's quite difficult to, to really measure objectively. Um, but MSCI, which is a, a big provider of data on the real estate market, did some analysis. They call it hedonic modeling, which stripped out other factors like location, age, amenity to, to, to ascertain the exact outperformance um, that sustainable buildings achieve over non-sustainable buildings. And the latest data shows a roughly 25, 26% outperformance. So that is a way that, in a sense, that we collaborate for our target market to produce buildings they want uh, and attract premium pricing. Uh, another direct way, and we've just bought an industrial portfolio, um, and the, the loan that we took out, and we typically use leverage in our acquisitions, and the loan we took out for that acquisition has... Um, we get interest rate discounts the more we improve the energy efficiency of our buildings. So that is a case that a lender is providing direct financial incentives on us as a borrower to improve the energy performance of our buildings. And we're seeing more and more of that. In fact, all our recent loans will have some form of green um, uh, performance um, targets within it and performance benefits from getting it right. The big, the big issue we have is data collection. Um, and that is actually collaboration that we really requires with our tenants. Um, and, and a lot of our efforts on the ESG front is to go into how do we record the, the energy consumption in our buildings? And if you can't record it, you can't, you can't improve it. You don't know where you've got. Uh, and so just to, to improve the uh, energy and operation uh, collection, we, we have to have more cooperation for our tenants. And, and we think we're a bit late to the party in real estate, but a lot of our tenant industries are really behind the curve and really uncooperative when it comes to helping us get the data. We've got a big retailer, for instance, on a retail park we own, who said they will give it to us, but they want us to charge us for the energy data. And, and they need to provide it for their stakeholders too. So it, it is ridiculous. And that is the area of collaboration which I feel is weakest at the moment. That makes complete sense. We've run so many webinars where the crux of it just comes down to, to data. Um, so completely, I'm sure a lot of people listening um, will sympathise with that, Rob. But um, I'm looking at the clock and time has flown by and we're actually out of time for our Susty talk today. So thank you very much for coming on um, and teaching me a little bit more about retrofitting and, and EPCs. Thank you, Rob. So, well, Sarah, thank you.